This morning I want to um, preach on a sermon entitled, One Question That Can't Go Unanswered. It's a question that all of us are confronted with and it can't go unanswered. One day we all will have to answer this question. My encouragement would be that we do it while we're still here on earth. And it's a question that we need to almost answer every moment of the day, every single day. It's a question that we need to answer. Last week, um, Mike DeFay was here. He um, heads up the, the Bible school in, or the ministry school in, in Wellington called TMT. And he preached on Isaiah 6, that the Lord is high and lifted up. And Isaiah, he looked, unpacked uh, this moment when Isaiah sees the Lord and what impact that had on Isaiah's life. And he really just hit home the fact that we need a view of God, a high view, a great view of God, because that will affect the way we live. It will affect the way we serve. It will affect the way we give. And um, he shared about this amazing, great God. The thing is, he shared. <laughs> he shared. And if I would ask you what he shared, you would tell me what he shared. But that doesn't transform my life. If what he shared becomes what I share, that's when it starts transforming my life. It can't just be his revelation. I need a personal revelation of who God is. And that is what transforms and impacts the way I live. And so this morning I want to unpack that a bit. And we spoke about partaking of God. And I, I, I believe there's going to be great link in this this morning. So I want to read through Matthew 16. And that's a passage of scripture that we'll work through this morning. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some said John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So a couple of weeks ago, I sat with someone in the church, we had a coffee and, and just connect, and, and we started sharing. And he shared about a really difficult season they are currently in, and he's been in for months. It's been months of just like being shipwrecked and then you think you're back on the boat and then you're clapped again. And he was just sharing how difficult season it is. And the thing that was so difficult for him was that his relationship with Jesus felt dead. It felt like there was no life. And he said, and I initially thought, okay, you're not getting to God. And he said he's getting to God, but he's not hearing anything. There's no life in that relationship. And my heart started to break. Because I realized the very thing that he needs in this season is a deep connection with God. And that thing is, there's a, there's a disconnect. And as I wrestled this, I'm trying to figure out why is a disconnect. Because if I can help him to make the connection, there can be a tap. He can tap back in from the source that will help him in this season. And um, as, I'm, as, as he's sharing and I'm thinking, I started thinking, I've never really, this, this idea of I'm struggling in my relationship with God has never really sat well with me. You know, why would you struggle in your relationship with God? 
because he's perfect. He's opened up the veil, so there's free access. Why would we struggle? Why do we have a desert season? Why do we have a, a, a pup season in God? And that, as, as he was speaking, I was trying to figure this one out. And I said, okay, cool. Sin can be a reason why you struggle in your relationship with God. Because if there's sin, you need to repent of that sin. And sometimes that sin causes guilt and shame. And that keeps a bit of a disconnect. But that's not the case here. The other reason could be a misunderstanding of our access and our relationship with God. And that misunderstanding can have an effect on how we relate with God. And I thought maybe that's something there. And I started thinking back to a very difficult season in our life. We, our second uh, was born, and obviously we were excited. We had a miscarriage in between. So we were very excited about this youngster coming. Um, we had a very difficult pregnancy in the first one. as Aldi took a bit of a dip, and that had an effect, and he had silent reflux. And, and it was a crazy season. So we were hoping and praying that the second one will go smooth. Because we really had our storm, you know? It's like, <laughs> it goes from glory to glory. So, so this was gory, so hopefully it goes <laughs> from gory to glory. And then the second one was born, and we were dished with a lovely package of colic. And so we had a colic baby. Um, initially, you try and see, okay, maybe it's not that. <laughs> okay, uh, maybe it's just, and then you just come to terms like, okay, there's going to be a lot of screaming over the next couple of weeks and months. And it was. At times when the screaming stopped, it actually sounded like something, the silence. It felt like a sound because the screaming was constant. And when it stopped, it was like, oh, that's silence. <laughs> silence, my old friend, where have you been? Um, so we were sleep deprived. And those of you with little kids or that had recently, I mean, lack of sleep has a tremendous effect on you. On you. And we had, there was financial strain. There was just, it was a horrible season. Horrible. And in that season, I just didn't have the energy to hear from God. I didn't get a word. The thing that kept me was re really this. I saw myself holding onto an anchor like this. And literally, that's how my worship was for months. God, thank you that you're my hope. Thank you that you're my anchor in the storm. And in that horrible time, there was something that carried me through. It wasn't a word I received from God. It was who he was. It was who he was. And that just kept me going. Because there's seasons in our lives where a word from God won't carry us. There's seasons in our life. What we need is really who he is. And that is enough. And who he is is the thing that anchors us through. Who he is is the thing that carries us through. And sometimes in our relationship, it's just a case of going to him and saying, God, you are my hope. God, you are my joy. Imagine my king, kid coming to me every single time. Dad, what's your word for me for the day? Speak to me, Dad. Speak to me. Or we walk through a place where there's a big dog. In our family, any dog is fairly a big dog. <laughs> so, so imagine... <laughs> so imagine... There's a, there's a big dog. 
My son went run up to me. He's like, Dad, please speak to me. There's a big dog. What should I do about this big dog? He just runs to me and he clings. You're my safety. You're my hiding place. But sometimes in our relationship with God, you're like, God, speak to me. And it's actually a season where we just need to say who he is and cling to who he is. And so as we were speaking, I was reminded that I shared with a person, who is God to you this season? Cling to that. Cling to that. And the person came back to me and said, it was a transformational encounter because he went back home and he just said, God, I'm feeling flat, but this is who you are. And something shifted. Something shifted. I'll let him share the testimony on another day because it was actually incredible testimony and it's not mine to share. Incredible what God did just for that. And I realized that misunderstanding, misunderstanding kept him distant from God or disconnected in his mind. And because of that disconnection, the enemy had a playing field. We need to understand that God is personal. God is extremely personal. And we've got a personal relationship with him. We shouldn't settle for voice in that Christianity. It's part of it. You know the the famous South African proverb? Yammer for the long voice notes. <laughs> Apologies for the long voice notes. <laughs> Not really, but here comes nine minutes. <laughs> Thank you God for two times. <laughs> Our voice note Christianity. And sometimes when you don't know someone well and they say, you hear my heart, I don't really, I'm trying to, but you're only, I'm only getting your voice. But if I spend time with you, that voice note suddenly becomes a whole different story because there's a connection. And we need to build our relationship with God, not via voice note Christianity, but through a personal connection where we walk with Him, where we talk with Him, where we engage with Him, and when we journey with Him. So from Matthew 16, I want to highlight four things. The first one is, Jesus asked them a question. The first question was, who do others say I am? It's important to hear what others says. And they answered him. Prophets. They referred to prophets. People that speak God's word. Second thing, they, they answered and said, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist. But then Jesus took it to another level. So we heard what Mike shared last week. I mean, you might be able to say, this is who God is, because you heard must, me say something, or your community leader say something. But Jesus is taking that to a whole new level today, and every day of our lives. And he asked them this question, third point there. So he asked the question, what do others say? It's his first question. It's important to know. And then he made it personal, and he asked them, what about you? Who do you say I am? He made it very personal. And so every one of us need to answer this question. It can't remain unanswered. Today, you need to answer who God is to you. Who is Jesus to you? In the situation you find himself in, who is he to you? You may be not serving Jesus. You may be not being, you know, maybe not a Christian. You may be not following Jesus. Today, you're also confronted with this question. Who do you say he is? Because this answer affects our life and our eternity. Who do you say he is? Ultimately, what Jesus is doing is making it very personal and saying, you need to know me. 
You need to know me. We sat with someone a couple of weeks ago, and um, they just shared about their work experience. And um, the lady is, is um, mentoring a, a younger lady in her early 20s. And um, they're having a conversation. And um, so the lady in our church is mentoring someone. And the one she's mentoring tells her, just now they chatted through their work and they're just socializing. And this lady tells her, Yo, I would love to meet a guy in person. And the lady in our church goes like, um, huh? <laughs> How else? And she's like, no, you know, like in the movies when they're in a coffee shop or a bar and they see someone and like they go and talk, it's like in person. Okay. How else would you meet someone? <laughs> no, Instagram. And currently the society doesn't know how to meet someone in person. They do it, they slide a DM. They do it on social media. Like, I like your photos. You must be a happy person because on every single 400 photos, you're happy. So you must be an amazing happy person. So I want to spend my life with you. And that's our, our generation. These are the people that don't call laundry, laundry anymore. This is generation coming through. They call doing laundry adulting. <laughs> Going to work, adulting. So this is generation. And this generation have a false connection with people. It's not personal. And there's something amiss here. And Jesus is saying, this relationship, it's got to be personal. You can't walk on someone else's revelation. You can't walk on photos or little reels you see on the internet. You can't do it on little articles or emails that you get from someone in Zambia or someone in India sharing something. You can't live on that. It's got to be real and it's got to be personal. And that is what Jesus, who do you say? So let's, let's make it personal. You've got to know me. And he's calling us today, every single one of us, to know him personally. And then I'm just not speaking about knowing who he is. I'm speaking about truly knowing him. Knowing a person, knowing his heartbeat. So if you don't answer this question, so I want to speak about what happens if you don't answer this question. Not just once, but daily. Even Jesus is, is, is really addressing the thing here that you can't just answer this question once in church or maybe twice in church in your life. You've got to answer this question at home with your kids throwing a tantrum. At home when you're sitting there trying to work out your budget. At work where people are rude to you and your boss is neglecting you and you're feeling like, then you've got to answer that question as well. When you're succeeding and you're getting accolades, then you need to answer that question. In every single season of our life, that is what it means. If we don't answer this question, these are the effects that it has. It affects how we face trials. If we don't have a proper, I'm not just speaking about a view of God, I'm speaking about a knowledge of God. Because I want to almost take that quote further and say not, it's not just our view of God that affects our lives and determines how we live, it's our knowledge of God. And if we don't have a proper knowledge of the one that carries us through, the one who's our sure foundation. The one that's with us in the storm. The psalm says he's our ever-present help in our time of need. It will affect the way that we face trials. 
if we don't answer this question in that moment. It affects the way that we love. 1 John 4 verse 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. If you're struggling to love people, and I'm not just speaking about people that's nice to you, not just those on Instagram with smiles all the time, I'm speaking about real people. If you struggle, it's because there might be a disconnect in your knowledge of His love. Because you maybe heard someone say that He's love, but you're not tapping into that, you're not experiencing it, you're not partaking of that daily. And when you struggle, what do you need to do? You need to answer this question and say, God, you are love. I want to get to know that even more because I'm struggling. I'm struggling here. It causes a weak view of the gospel. If we don't answer this question regularly, it affects the way we reach out to people. It makes us vulnerable to idol worship. Why do some of us get so easily distracted? Because we don't answer this question regularly. So we don't have a high view. We don't have a high understanding, a high knowledge of God. So other things are more attractive. Other things makes us more secure. Other things satisfy us more than God. It limits God's power in our lives. And it affects our prayer life and our faith levels. If we don't answer this question regularly, who is God? He's a God that answered prayers. He's done it for them. He's done it for me. I can stand on him. If we don't answer this question regularly, we're not someone who can be still. The psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. I've seen so many Christians in difficult times trying to just make plans and fix things. It's because we don't answer this question regularly. So we're trying to fix things, make things work. But sometimes we just need to be still and say, God, I really don't know what to do. I've had to deal in situations where I saw people are going to hit, they're going to hit the wall. There's a situation, they're married, a situation, they're going to hit the wall. But I know, I know, I can't save them. He's the Savior. He's the one that's more committed to them. He's the one that will complete the good work that he started. Not Kevin, not the pastor, not the elder here. And so sometimes I need to be still and trust God to intervene. Sometimes in your own life, you try and fix things. Answer this question and be still. We tend to continue in crushing cycle of repeated sin or unwise behavior because we're not answering the question that He is the one that's Lord. And because He's not Lord, because He's not holy, we just carry on in the same cycle. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35. I doubt if I have it. Come back to your senses. This is the NIV. As you ought to. And stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. And I say this to your shame. Let me read it through a more casual translation. Think carefully what is right and stop sinning. For to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. Sometimes we carry on singing in the same cycle because we might know what others say who he is, but I don't know God. And so this is a call for us to know him. Isaiah 40, it says, to who can you compare me? Who is my equal? We're just saying that, says the only one. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? 
He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them forth each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, O Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord God is everlasting, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Beautiful display of who God is. But it says that we can't comprehend him. And that's true. We can't comprehend God, but he can be known. Our aim is not to try and reason him out here, to try and comprehend who he is. We should get to know him. We should be close to him. We should wrap ourselves around who he is. In your struggle... In your difficulty, God can be your strength and your victory. Practically, I would just go to him and call him that and meditate on that and speak that. Find scriptures about that. Pray that in regularly. In my time of loss or the worries of the world, he's my security and he's my provision. In my searching, in my singleness, he's the one that's enough and the one that satisfies. To the single people, they say, you run for God flat out. Don't look for a girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse, fiance. Don't look at those things. Run to God. Run for God. Keep your eyes on Him. And if you happen to hear someone running beside you, that's someone you can pursue. Because He's enough. He's enough. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, I know there's a lot more to that. But we need to know Him. Like, God, who are you through this season of my life? I'm single. I'm lonely. In my loneliness, God, who are you? In my anxiety, and there's so many anxiety here. We serve the Prince of Peace. Come on. (laughs) The Prince of Peace, the root of peace. It says to the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. In our anxiety, he needs to become our peace. Am I against medication? No. But the medication is not our peace. Our medication is not the thing that will keep us stable. It is Jesus Christ. Who do you say he is? In your anxiety, during my sickness, he's my healer. Paul wrote a lot in the New Testament. And he understood something of the importance of knowing God. I'll get to that one now. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That knowing speaks about acknowledging Him. Lee spoke a couple of weeks about acknowledging God. In our lives, we need to acknowledge who He is. We need to declare that. It speaks about a declaration. What is a declaration? It's a very Christianese word, but it actually just says that you need to Say out loud who God is. Jesus asked, who do you? Sorry, say that again. Who do you say? Not who do you think. Who do you believe? Who do you? There's times that we need to speak it. We need to declare it. What a heart is full, a mouth overflows. Let's fill our hearts with who God is. I will be exalted among the nations. 
Ephesians 1 verse 17, Paul's writing here. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Not hear him better. Then Ephesians 4 verse 13, until we reach unity of the faith, it speaks about the fivefold gifts that's there to equip the church and to bring them to unity. And so that we can reach unity in the knowledge of the Son of God. Colossians 1 verse 10, Paul's praying here for the churches. He say, he's praying so that you may lie, live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. He's wanting the church to grow in their knowledge and their personal relationship of God. And I'm speaking not about a head knowledge. I'm speaking about an intimate knowing, a personal knowing, experiential knowing of who God is. Peter, another apostle, he writes, they will keep you from being effective. He's speaking about things that we need to apply in our lives. And he says, if you possess these qualities, if you apply these things, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge. So he's encouraging the church to grow in their knowledge. Then later on, 2 Peter 3 verse 18 says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then lastly, Philippians 3 verse 8 Paul says, I count all things as rubbish, as dung. For what? For the surpassing greatness of knowing. Knowing him. Knowing him. Not knowing about him. Not having a good theological teaching about him. Count all things rubbish to know him personally. To know him personally. 1 Chronicles 16 David just brought the Ark of the Covenant. It was a picture of the presence of God that was taken out of Israel. He brings it back to the nation. And then he writes this song. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known him among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praises. Tell of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Always remember the wonders he has done. I'm not sure what you're facing right now, what you're going through in your life. You might actually feel quite comfortable and happy with where your life is. I want to tell you that you need to answer the question today as well. Or maybe you really like Mike shared last week. Some of you are in the faith but no longer in the fight. You're feeling like this fight, this, the life, the circumstances that I'm in is getting me down. You need to answer that question today. Because he says we need to seek him always. In every season, every circumstances. There's a there's a passage in Daniel where they speak about the the one king that's gonna fight the other king, and there's this whole picture about this battle. And um speaking about God's people that will face the enemy, and the encouragement is to God's people, they will know their God, be strong, and carry out great exploits. Speaking about they'd be able to resist and fight the enemy because they know their God. I think some of us are overcome by the enemy and circumstances in our lives because we don't know Him. We might know about Him, but we don't know Him. And so my trust is that we come to know Him better this morning. Just quickly as we start wrapping it up, how do I grow in my knowledge of God? I read the Word. 
we've got to get in the word. I remember we did the Bible reading, and I know it was like, yo, it's a lot of things, a lot of scriptures to read. I'm struggling to get through it. I worked in about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes a week. And we struggled because our lives are just so busy. And we struggled to get in the word. I also struggled, I'll be honest. It was difficult to really get into that with your own quiet time, other things happening. And it was a, it was a struggle. But we need to get in the word because without that, our knowledge of God becomes limited. It's not just a fuzzy feeling. It's actually getting to know him through scripture. Why? One, John 1 says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was, as we read who he is, it becomes alive. Because it's the spirit that takes that truth and opens it up to us. Second point is, the Holy Spirit needs to reveal it. The fourth thing we see in Matthew 16, it says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. But my Father is in heaven. The Holy Spirit reveals to us. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12, it speaks about the Spirit that reveals who Jesus is. He reveals it. But we need to spend time in His presence and time in His Word. And then the Holy Spirit starts to open it up and reveal it to us. Paul prayed for the church that they would grow in their knowledge of Him. Let's pray for one another. Pray for one another. If each of us prays for someone else, then all of us are being prayed for, hopefully. Mathematically. It should work out. <clears throat> but pray for one another. Go to one another and say, I just want to pray for you, not for something, but just that you grow in the knowledge of who God is. It's always awkward if you sit in a community group and everyone's like, who's got prayer requests? Oh, I, I need a new job. I need finances. Ah, I just want to know God better. Everyone's like, oh. <laughs> Imagine everyone in the community without that person going, Without that person answering. And, and sometimes people are sincere. I'm not saying all people are religious. Um, some people are really sincere. But imagine the, the community as a whole just regularly prays for one another that we would come to know Him better. And then we actually do because it's the Spirit of God and God answers those prayers and then He opens up and reveals Himself to us. We need to behold Him. We need to take times where we think about Him. It's not just staring up in the sky. It's thinking of who he is. And as you think of that, as you meditate on that, you are beholding him. And lastly, we need to declare. We need to speak who he is. Because as we speak, it forms um, patterns in our mind. And it puts our mind on course. If I constantly say, God is my joy. God is my joy. I read about how God is my, his joy is my strength. I meditate on it. And I speak it. Something of that truth it's going to hit me further than here, but it's going to hit me here. If I'm just quiet, I'm going to start thinking about other stuff. But if I speak it regularly and start shaping my thinking, we need to preach to ourselves. Seriously. We're all preachers. <laughs> you don't need a mic. You just need to open up your mouth and preach to yourself. Preach to yourself. I want to end with this. Mark Twain. He was a famous writer, novelist. Huckleberry Finn, those type of books. Well known in his day. And um, he made a triumphant tour through Europe. Well known. Everyone loved his books. Loved him. You know, the, you remember the, when the box won the World Cup? Any New Zealand supporters?
One point. Um, you know when the box won the World Cup? What happened? Every People all over the show went to go watch the World Cup winners on a bus. Everyone was like, yeah, well done. So picture that moment as Mark Twain goes through Europe. It's like, hey, this guy has wrote the most amazing books. He was honored by great universities and kings. And then his daughter said this. Listen to this, his daughter. Daddy, I guess pretty soon you will know everybody and everybody will know you. And you'll know all these people except God. Daddy, I guess pretty soon everyone will know you and you will know everybody except God. The truth is it doesn't matter who you know and who knows you. The question is, do you know God? Do you know God? And if you're here this morning and you have no relationship with Jesus, this question is for you. You might leave this place and felt like, hey, it was okay, service. Music was maybe a bit loud where I was. Coffee was great. That's not going to change your life. It's answering this question. Do you know God, the creator of the universe, the one that comes and he takes your life and your sin and he washes it away completely. And then he takes your life, your broken life, your life that's, that's sinful, that's deserving of death. He takes that and he makes it new and he breathes his spirit in you and he makes you a new creation and you're alive in God and you have a relationship with him. The Bible says one day, all of us will stand before him and every knee will bow. My encouragement to you is bow your knee today. Surrender today. Answer this question today. Who do you serve? I am. And for every single one of us, can we take a moment today to answer this question? To answer this question. Craig, can maybe come up? And what I want to do, I don't want anyone to come forward, anything like that. I don't want us, just as Greg is playing, I want each of us to stand and answer this question today. Who do you say I am? Make it personal, because that's what it is.